Who's your angry news guy? It's Frank. Hello, hello. What is up, my beans? Welcome to the very third episode of To Be Frank. I'm calling you beans now. I tweeted out that I'm going to call you guys Frankers, and then I changed it to Frank, but it was brought to my attention that it makes so much more sense that the six people who listened to my last episode consistently are now beans. So we got Frank and beans going forward. That is the new plan. Uh, So... Today, I am not going to be joined by Karen to the disappointment of, it seems like everyone. Seems Karen is the favorite uh, between the two of us going through everything. I understand why. Uh, So Karen definitely has a little bit of favoritism from the audience. But nonetheless, yeah, Frank and Beans. I pushed uh, Karen to the side so that I'm not overshadowed again, even though I probably will be by my guest today, Andrew Carey. Andrew is a buddy of mine. We literally met uh, and became friends because we would rant angrily about politics when we should have been working and doing our job. While our labor was being exploited. There you go. So that's a little bit of a the best possible sneak preview of you could have of who Andrew is and what he thinks. <laughs> Just the most concise way to sum up Andrew. Uh, so Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I got to say, I got some big shoes to fill here with uh, Karen being the former co-host. Yeah, she she sets the expectations high. Yeah, she really does. But I don't know, man. I'm excited to be here. We've talked about this for a real long time, doing something like this. Uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Hope that we can uh, have an enlightening conversation in there. That's what I'm here for. So uh, this week, actually, when we originally wanted to do the podcast, a little bit of insight into To Be Frank and everything that happened with it. Originally, it was going to be... Uh, we were going to try our hardest to do something together, Andrew and I. And it just wound up being like, you know, really difficult. Life gets in the way. Uh, And, you know, times are tough. It's COVID. So things work out the way that they do. But I knew immediately I wanted to get Andrew in on it. We actually went together, uh, Andrew, Karen, and I, to D.C. on the 20th. We were hoping something would, not hoping, because it would have been really bad if something popped off. But we went to see what was going on. Definitely less exciting than anticipated for sure. It was just cold, and we walked a lot. (laughs) But then we just walked until we couldn't walk anymore because there were fences everywhere. Lots of uh, action around. Yeah. We fought really hard to try and find a bathroom. We t- tried like eight different buildings, but they closed all the bathrooms to the public. Uh, so it was like a process. But that was kind of when things were going to like really kick off for us. We, were, we wanted to uh, talk about that a lot, especially after everything that happened on January 6th. Um, and then so we finally decided we were ready to get together. We finally figured out in our schedules how we could do this and figured the best episode to jump into it, the two of us together, is another thing that we both get really hot about. And again, especially Andrew. So it was the perfect time for it. We're going to talk this week about uh, the quote unquote immigration crisis. What's going on with that? Kind of the backstory of how we got here, the details of what's happening today, uh, the time as things went on from all the way starting back. 10, 8, 10, 12 years ago, uh, and just carrying us on through today, through Joe Biden and through everything that goes on with that. So yeah, that was what we were kind of looking to do, just to jump right into this topic and really get really get into it because it's been really hot in the news lately. It's like the hot button issue is the immigration crisis. So we just figured we'd jump right in and kind of try and define that for you guys. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important. I mean, it's like the immigration crisis is centered as a political crisis. Uh, But it's a humanitarian crisis, for sure. And that's, I think, one of the things that's really shitty about it, uh, about the way that they're kind of going about it. So that is exactly what it is that we kind of wanted to talk about this time. So 
The first thing that I wanted to do this week is actually to define what the immigration crisis is, because we hear a lot about it a lot in the news. Um, if you're following anything that's going on in the news, I mean, big, big information. A story just broke today, too, on Twitter, um, got released by Axios and something. And we'll get to that later. But it's definitely like it's really permeating everything that's going on. Um, and when you hear immigration crisis and you hear of it as like a political scandal, it's definitely like uh, a big deal, but it also is like a little bit daunting and a little bit confusing because there's not a lot of like explanation about what it is, not a lot of direction going for it. So and I just wanted each side, each side specifically is going to try to spin it in a way that suits their narrative already. You know what I mean? Too. Yeah, for sure. Republicans have been calling it an immigration crisis since Joe Biden took office. I mean, I was telling Andrew before we recorded uh, when I first decided that I was going to do a podcast. For some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to follow Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobbert on Twitter. Uh, and it's a terrible decision, but I have not stopped myself since. But I see them tweeting for the last like two weeks, even before it became like a big like mainstream news story that Joe Biden has an immigration crisis and they're letting migrants across the border just at an excessive rate. And they're they're in their words, they're there carrying covid and they're traffickers and they're murderers and they're drug dealers and all this stuff, the same like fear-mongering stories that you hear all the time about like what immigration is and the problem that's with it. And then meanwhile, it took Joe Biden's party until Andrew, I don't know if you have any details on this, like until like two days ago, they weren't calling it a crisis. Like they weren't like taking the issues with it seriously because they didn't want to own up to the fact that it is a problem that they have. They also didn't want it to become a media story. They were very happy with this existing in the peripherals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now now you have congressmen going down to the border and taking pictures inside the the camp in donna texas yeah yeah it's I just, bad I'm just, i just don't understand exactly what the difference is between those pictures that were leaked today that are very distressing and hard to look at to all the stuff that was going on before biden got in there you know what i mean i don't i don't see i don't see the the no more kids in cages we can rejoice you know what i mean it's the same thing yeah no you know? i definitely agree i definitely agree it's like it's really no different than the way that things were four years ago um, so just to give like a little bit of backstory and like where we're at and like uh, what leads us into these pictures that we're talking about that we'll tell more about um, in like immigration, obviously, has been a huge issue since the time of Donald Trump. He was all about like uh, zero tolerance policy he was turning people away. The issue came out about kids in cages and Donald Trump was keeping them his his border patrol and ice and everything like that. They were keeping them in these containment detention facilities and. They were sleeping with mylar blankets and they didn't have toothbrushes and they didn't have soap. Well, under Donald Trump, immigration was like increased compared to previous presidents, but it kind of like flatlined because he was scaring the shit out of everyone. Uh, and nobody was going to come over and try to deal with that if they, I guess, had a choice because it was no better than where they were living, which is crazy to think is no better than like a war torn country that America caused. But they under like Joe Biden and everything that's been happening now. Uh, we have reports coming out that like in the past four weeks, 100,000 migrants uh, have like come through the border. And that's an insane amount of people to have 100,000 immigrants in four weeks um, reported on like March 3rd. So it's just like it's it's coming through in this like gigantic influx uh, because Joe Biden has been touting that he's going to be like a more open borders president. He's going to be about like a better pathway to immigration. He's going to open things up for people and make it easier. Since his first day in office, uh, he had a big immigration plan that was going to make it like an eight year path to citizenship instead of 12. And he was going to stop the family separation policy and all this sort of stuff. And it's been revealed lately that he's not really doing that. He's not doing it at all. Um, I will say I will say and this will probably be the only time on this episode that I say it. 
But in defense of Biden, he was handed the, the <laughs> shittiest deal that I think an incoming president has ever been handed. But in my opinion, we're still 60 days in. It is, it is no excuse that you didn't like, if you listen to Biden world right now, they're saying, oh, well, what were we supposed to do? The transition team didn't give us anything to work with. They just handed us this broken down car and said, here, you drive it now. Yeah. But but you ran it the whole 2020 election against Donald. You knew that if you won, he wasn't going to go quietly. He wasn't going to hand over the keys amicably. Oh, yeah. Like you had to. It just is clearly showing to me that they did not have a contingency plan for what they were going to do once they got in the office to address the, the crisis that was already there. Yeah. You know I mean? they, they, like, ran their, they ran their campaign on, on no more kids in cages and we're going to restore the, restore the soul of America. And I just feel like that that's kind of the like if you if you think back to what was Biden's campaign promise, that's exactly it. Restore the soul of America. And if you like, what does that mean? There, there's no policy behind that. Well, ran, I mean, oh, go ahead. Entirely, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. Keep going. I, he ran entirely on 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 vague euphemisms and no actual concrete policy proposal. So when he gets in and he inherits this crisis, you can tell that nobody on his team and in his orbit prepared to deal with this. Yeah, now it's crazy. Got, yeah, now you got the same exact thing that was going on under Trump, but going on now. And like the same thing that they used to hit Trump on about transparency and about letting people into the camps to see what's going on. Trump or Biden all week has denied lawyers access to go into the camps. Mm-hmm. The same thing that everybody was criticizing Trump for the last four years. Biden's falling exactly in suit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like like what you said about well, the two th- two things that you said that I wanted to touch on at first is uh, the idea that like the Biden party wasn't allowed or the Biden transition team like didn't get any access to what Donald Trump was doing. You didn't need access to Donald Trump's like team to know what the immigration situation was like. It was everywhere. 100%. You I didn't agree. need to talk to him to know that the situation was garbage and you needed to start to figure out a plan. Obviously, yeah. like the I, the like specifics were going to be tough, but it's not hard to be like, we can't continue that stuff. We can't continue doing what Donald Trump did. We can't continue the separation. We can't continue putting people in these detention facilities or yeah. cages. Like you can't, we, there, there was nothing. They didn't need any more information than they already had to do a better no, job than they're doing now. And, and then to use that as like cover fire to like justify what's going on 60 days into the presidency now, I, I feel like that's, yeah. that's uh, inexcusable. Yeah. And he, we knew that Joe Biden was going to be our guy back in well, we knew he was going to be president in November, and you knew he yeah. was going to be the Democratic guy a year before that. Yeah, don't so worry like, about that. I know, but he had so, well, I don't, he had I so don't, much I don't time. Re, I don't want to relitigate the 2020 primary process. I will just say one thing and one thing only. Yeah, do your thing. Do you think that 60 days into a Bernie Sanders presidency, we would be dealing with with this? Like, do you Absolutely really think not? That, yeah, do you, I just you can. There's nobody in the world who can convince me that Bernie Sanders would allow this type of. Uh, he would have moved a temporary White House down to Texas. Yeah, agreed. He would be there every day with like a megaphone outside of the doors. There's no way that a Bernie Sanders administration would allow this much human suffering and destitution to be going on inside. Let's call it what is concentration camps inside of the U.S. border. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's just no way. I, I, yeah. I really feel like uh, it is highlighting the choice that we had to make and a bad choice that as a, as a collectively as a country that we did make. So, yeah. It's it yeah it's definitely like a tough situation and the other thing that I wanted to talk about really quickly before we get into like this like really heavily into the political aspect of this um you you made the comment about how like Joe Biden his entire candidacy 
and now going into his presidency, he wants to restore the soul of America, bring us back to where we were, uh, you know, build back better, all that sort of crap. His build back better. His slogan is terrible. Um, Build back better. Like, it does not make sense. It sounds like it's not a presidential slogan. It's a slogan that like an eight-year-old makes when he was running for like class line leader. Like, yeah, after promising everybody free chocolate milk. It's it's terrible. Yeah, but even then, like a, a child promising free chocolate milk is better than what Biden is doing now because that would be the adult equivalent of promising everybody health care or promising everybody two thousand dollar checks. Like. Which- which he stood directly opposed to for the entirety of the campaign. Yeah, it's like if a if an eighth grade line leader said, "I'm promising everybody chocolate milk," and then he gets elected and he says, "You guys get powdered milk." That's what <laughs> that's what I actually ran on. It, all we're giving you is the powder. You need to find the water. To yeah, you got to buy your own water. <laughs> but water is eight dollars, and you're a child making a twenty five cent allowance. <laughs> that that's the equivalency that we have right now. That's very. But, but the idea that you said like he wants to like build back better and get back to the soul of America. Like I know you wanted to touch on. Um, where this policy started, because I think a lot of people, because it came to prominence under Donald Trump, always just attribute this issue to Donald Trump. And for sure, he made it worse. Without a doubt. He absolutely took what was already a bad situation and blew it up because the dude was a racist fascist. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not. See, I feel like I've gotten a lot of criticism from people like liberals that I know and, and people that identify as Democrats that I go too easy on Trump or that I like give him a pass. I, I don't, and I don't see it that way. I, I'll go on record any day of the week and say that Donald Trump is a fascist. He's yeah. a racist and he was a terrible president. But at the end of the day, what Donald Trump did as a president was not uncharacteristic of other administrations in the past. And I feel like we gloss over the, the glaring problems of the Obama administration all the time. Yeah. Like, Trump Trump was able to do what he was what he did as president because of the apparatus that that Obama and even earlier than that Bush created for him. Yeah, because Donald Trump won. He did not know how to build an apparatus. Yeah. He didn't know what he was doing. So all of these things that he did had to have been in place already. Yeah. Like he, he didn't there, know how he to. There and said, he got there and said, oh, shit, I already have an 18 billion dollar immigration enforcement budget. What? Yeah. That's lit. You know, what I mean, that's all that I needed. I already have migrant camps to put children in. Amazing. There's already a loose. There's already a loose policy for separating families at the border. Amazing. Yeah, he got the manual from someone. Yeah, and a lot of that was Obama. Obama, like I I know we're going to get more into the the ICE aspect and you know the like immigration enforcement aspect a little bit later on in the episode. Mm -hmm. But Obama deported 2.5 million people in his in the course of his presidency. Yeah. Which is which is more than every president combined in the 20th century. Do we have numbers for like the total amount of Donald Trump's deportations? Yeah, so they don't they don't have um 2020s released yet. I don't know when those stats will be released. I couldn't find any data on it. Okay. But through the fir- through the first three years of Donald Trump's presidency, he uh, deported about 800,000 people. Oh yeah, so not even close. Yeah, but don't, don't get me wrong; those are still 800,000 human beings that were booted out. A lot of whom had no criminal record at all. Yeah. But if you look at Obama in the first three years of his presidency, he he deported 1.2 million people. Jesus. And like, well, you, you said 1.2 in the first. Position. You said that in the first three years. Yeah, in the first three years. So in his last year, he doubled that. Well, no, he was there. He was president for two terms. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. He actually sorry. slowed down. He slowed down a little bit in the second term, but still, because he came under fire. That's yeah. a lot of goddamn people to be booting out of the country. Yeah. Well, he became and the deporter they, in chief, so he had yeah, to exactly, respond to that. And he hid behind the the slogan of all the people that we're deporting are criminals or they have you know violent criminal records. But if you dig deep into Always. the stats, 
If you dig deep into the stats, 66% of them either had minor violations like traffic violations or a small possession of like a small amount of marijuana, or mm-hmm. they had no criminal record at all. So that, that leaves only 33% of the people that he deported throughout his presidency who were actually charged like a valid. With, yeah, a substantial crime. Yeah. Crazy. But you don't see you don't see that on CNN. They're not talking about how Obama was, you know. Of course not. Use the immigration enforcement apparatus to. Yeah, and this is like a really quick tangent. But the thing that like I think is the hardest thing about like the 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 fact that like Democrats are like Democrats and like liberals are treated with such like a high level of like regard and like they have like a sanctity to what they do is there's no system in place that genuinely pushes back against them because like there's like fox news but fox news isn't genuine no one takes it seriously unless you already are in that uh in that like that's already like how you are and not only that but fox news is that liberals are in a unique space in america because they look at it's so easy to look at fox news and have them say get rid of all of them they're dirty they're rapists they're bringing drugs and guns and they're going to rape your children and wives yeah. And then it's easy for liberals to see that and be like, at least we're not that. You know what I mean? Obama mm-hmm. was great. We're, he didn't say that. But yeah. it doesn't mean that at the end of the day, Obama didn't do the same things. You know what yeah. I mean? Obama yeah, there's... was supporting everybody in, in separating families from – like that picture that, that went around in, uh, that everybody was sharing whenever the height of the Trump uh, crisis at the border was going around. Mm-hmm. That picture of those uh, Border Patrol agents – holding up assault rifles to that little girl in the red jacket who's like screaming and crying for her parents. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very well-known picture circulated a lot. Like it was on all of the primetime liberal news networks in yeah. 2018 and 2019, but it took, that was that, that was a picture that was from 2014. <laughs> they just repackaged it and put it on air. And as if it was like a unique thing for Trump, they love doing that. They, they loved, they loved to, to paint Trump as this unique evil that has never before been seen in the history of American politics. When yeah. in reality, he is just the most upfrontly evil. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's the idea that like George Bush went to a baseball game with Ellen and all of a sudden it's like, well, he was just a bad president. He's not a bad guy. Yes, exactly. Like, he paints now. He paints now. So people are like, oh, you know, yeah. look at him. He's a painter. You know, it's just like, yeah. He was, he's a war criminal, a legitimate war criminal. Yeah. The first time that we ever get like a clear indication of like how just like, yeah, just how shitty these people are. Just without any sort of a veil, no veil, no front, no facade. Like it was just pure evil on display. So now everything in comparison is so much better. Yeah, so as no, a result, I, like it now, everything that comes after it just looks like candy corn. Like can't what is it? Like unicorns and rainbows. Like everything is just and, so clean now. And people who convinced themselves over the last four years that Trump is like this Hit- Hitlerian figure. Which don't get me wrong, he if he was if he could have been, he would have been for sure. But I I feel as though it's it's missing the point that shit shit's still going on. You know what I mean? The war machine keeps on turning. Yeah. And now now if you really look at what the liberals are saying about this crisis at the border, that it's nothing but defense. Like they are they are twisting themselves in the pretzels to justify, absolve, and like to rationalize, justify, and absolve the Biden administration of any guilt in mm-hmm. as to what's going on right now. Yeah. And I just, I just find that deplorable. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Like it's, it's, and again, it's like we said, like the, it's just the easiest cop out of look what we inherited. But again, like you didn't inherit, like 
you say you inherited it, but you've been promising that you were going to improve upon it since day one. And not only that, but he was vice president. My man was there when this was all going down yeah. 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Whenever, whenever uh, Obama first got in there, yeah, like it, it shows me that, that Biden has learned nothing from the mistakes of the past. Not that I expected him to. No, because it wasn't considered a mistake. Yeah. It wasn't considered a mistake. Like if you like, and again, like Obama, a better president than we had for a long time. He was like a better president. Um, I mean, on, on paper, on paper, but I, I would argue that I would argue though that I would rather, not that I would rather have Donald Trump, but there is something comforting about an enemy that shows you who they are as opposed yeah. to one that covers them in this facade of being this liberal oh, savior, you know what I mean? For sure. I say it all the time. Like, that's why I like Nancy Pelosi is my least favorite person in politics, even though I talk all the time about how shitty Ted Cruz is. Because at least like we know that Ted Cruz is shit. Like, but it, like Nancy Pelosi and like the Democrats and you get Joe Biden now and like Obama in the past, like they just like to run around with this facade and pretend that they are uh, angels who care about people. And if they cared about exactly. people, so much things would be done differently. Yeah. Exactly. And then and then, but then it just goes to show you how how much it's all optics. Because if if Biden really cared, he wouldn't be turning lawyers down and, and refusing them to be able to go into these camps. You know, I mean, it, if it Joe Biden. If Joe Biden really cared about what is happening with the immigration crisis, then he wouldn't reopen the fucking homestead facility, man. Like the notoriously worst one. Like the only one that was worse was like that tent city in Texas, which like, yeah, he didn't open that one, but he just opened a different tent city in Texas run yeah. by the same people. But like my man decided which to just are, which reopen are private homestead. corporations getting government funding. You know what I mean? They, right. We're trusting an insane amount of money. Yeah. And like private companies that like here, I'm going to like now I'm going to like I'm really jump into these stats here uh, in just talking about like what do I have here? There's the um, the sexual assault claims that happen at like all of these places. Like so Homestead is reopened under the control of BCSF or BCFS which they're branding as BCFS because the way that they were previously known, which was Baptist child and family services, uh, had reported Yeah. Okay. Good. They had reported 23 cases of sexual assault against children. Like one of which was, uh, what do we got? A bunch of like, like really inappropriate relationships between adults and migrant minors, as well as two instances where pornographic images were offered or shown to minors. Uh, they received, according to like the government spending website, their nonprofit received seven hundred and sixty-eight million dollars in government funding yep. since two thousand and fifteen. Like, and these people now just went back in control of Homestead, and then you look at the actual Homestead facility, and they talk so much about how it was terrible under Donald Trump, and now it's under Biden, and he's going to try to make it better. It might be like. You might say, oh, we got better caseworkers or we're going to try and fight harder for these kids. But the actual like physical location of Homestead is deemed unsafe. Like Homestead, the, the ground within a third of a mile of the Homestead facility in Florida, which, by the way, to explain a little bit, Homestead is a private detention facility in Florida that Donald Trump opened. It was riddled with sexual assault scandals um, and also the scandals that I'm going to explain now. And so Donald Trump shut it down. Joe Biden reopened it because he needed a temporary internment facility for these kids, which the fact that there are temporary detention facilities for children is fucking disgusting. So he reopened this facility 
And what we find is that it is within a third of a mile of uh, soil that is riddled with toxic chemicals. Like reports come out that it's like unsafe for residency, but because it's a temporary location, they are allowed to put these kids there in makeshift houses. And then you get, there's an air force base within just a few miles, but it's like a super fun base. So they get, uh, the kids get exposed every single day to decibel levels that are like usually unsafe for adults. That's like the term for the decibel levels that they're exposed to. And it's just consistent for them to just be at these air force bases close enough that they can hear it. They can't sleep. That's affecting for their growth, for their health, for their cognitive abilities, for their mental health. And they're around toxic chemicals in a place that is deemed unfit for residential areas, but because it was vacant, because people can't live there, they decided that they wanted to go ahead and open that up as a temporary facility for these kids. Because temporary is not permanent, even though a majority of these kids are staying there way longer than they are actually legally supposed to be staying there was, for. That, that's the point that I was just going to bring up, is that the federal uh, legal limit right now that a child is allowed to stay in, in these camps, I'm going to call, keep calling them concentration camps, go ahead. three days. It's three days, but most of the children, on average, the kids during the Trump stay were in there for weeks to months at a time. And it's not getting any better under Joe Biden. And then also you look at, uh, it's COVID, it's coronavirus, and um, they now, before restaurants can go open up to 100% capacity, before uh, venues, events, hotels, anything like that can open up to the public. And I'm not saying that they should be able to open up to the public because it's coronavirus. But before the government made the decision and the CDC made the decision that those places that somebody goes to voluntarily could open to 100%, these facilities for children are allowed to open to 100%. And that doesn't even matter because they've been over capacity for weeks. And the reason is because the Joe Biden, the Biden administration doesn't want to expand the housing for these kids because they don't want to admit that it's a crisis. But the fluctuation of people coming into the country is gigantic because they created they were, a system. If they, to, if they were to give it the emergency status that it that it requires, it would open up tons more funding that they would be able to use to elaborate to, you know, one, process these kids more with individual caseworkers, mm-hmm. but also to, to put them in more space out, more, more uh humane conditions and i I personally i'm a you know me i'm a radical i think that that we should let them go we need to find put them in 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 care here and let them wait out maybe let them wait out until they have their court date or whatever i personally think we should just grant give them all amnesty yeah because all all these people are coming from from war-torn areas most of not all of but a lot of whom are destabilized by big brother united states coming in and either like putting sanctions you know i mean like yeah. The, reason, the reason that we have this crisis right now where all these people are coming over like this is because like migra- illegal migration from Mexico is an, like from Mexicans is at an all-time low. But it's all Central that, America. Yeah, it's all from Central America. And they're all like Trump instituted along with the zero tolerance policy was a policy that they all that Mexico had to like allow all these people to gather together inside of their like walls. So outside of the U.S. border in Mexico is is thousands and thousands of migrants that are just, you know, open targets for for crime. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot of sexual assaults going on in Mexico, robberies, yeah. murder. You know what I mean? Like that that's still yeah. all happening right now. And they had to stay there while they waited for their cases to be resolved. Yeah, well, to, get, to get asylum, which honestly, if you actually look at like how often asylum is granted, it could take years. 
Like it could take years to be processed for each individual case. Yeah. And the, the chances of you getting in, especially during Trump, is is so incredibly low. Yeah. So you just have all these people stuck there, stranded there, living in tents in, in the Mexican border outside of the U.S., hoping that one day they would get in because they they had no other choice. They have no other option. They're fleeing violence. They're they're fleeing like complete poverty and destitution. And and they they view America as their only as their only hope. Which yeah, it's sad because this place is such a shit show and a dumpster fire. But yeah, but yeah, and then and then I will say that I will say if you listen to the right wing media, their their response is, well, the only reason that Biden is dealing with this now is because he's opening up the borders and it's it's all open borders. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's really not. The only policy that he changed is that now, uh, like migrant children who go alone are captured. Yeah, exactly. Which honestly is a terrible way to do things because now parents are having to make the, the awful decision to say, I love you, sweetie. We're never going to get anywhere together. Go. And they just send their kids off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go um, across um, three countries to go get put in a camp. Well, even, well, I, it's more so the people that are already outside of the border in Mexico now. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are still waiting in these camps that are set up like outside of the U.S. territory. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Sending their kids across. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, there's no way to know how many kids don't make don't make it before they get found by border patrol. Yeah, and then and then you have got to deal with the fact that once they get found by border patrol, are they going to be the good border patrol agents? You know what I mean? Like that was another thing about the Trump administration is that they they hired they increased the border patrol agent the the percentage of border patrol agents by twenty five percent. And if you look at the background checks and things that they were doing on them, they were they were almost entirely not there. You yeah, know it's, I mean? the, it's the easiest law enforcement agency to become a part of. By a lot. By yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot. And and you know what I mean? To flip the rights argument on itself that they made about refugees at the end of the Obama administration and early Trump administration. I used to hear this all the time. If you have a if you have a bowl of M&Ms and a handful of them are poisoned, would you eat from the M&Ms? But I, I flip that around. Just say that about the Border Patrol. You know what I mean? About the, all these people that are working for Customs and Border Protection. Yeah. Like if, if if a handful of the people – and I think it's way more than a handful. You know what I mean? But if a portion of these Border Patrol agents are, are crooked and they're they're smuggling drugs into the country or they're they're sexually assaulting these migrants, like mm-hmm. – that that's more that's more dangerous to me as a as a handful of poison M and M's and any yeah. of the refugees that were coming over from. I mean, this is not there. There are multiple multiple different uh, multiple different camps that had to be closed because of the issues that were happening, and we still have the bright idea to just continue to do camps. Let's just keep doing it. Like it's 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 clearly not working, and they're just going to keep doing it. Which brings me to like they do have. There's like there. So before I get into like the immigration proposals that they have, and if you have more to say before we get there, that's completely, we can keep talking about this stuff. Um, but the one thing that I wanted to mention is like talking about like how we can make this better for people. Um, it's the same argument that there is for like uh, what you're going to do with the um, houseless crisis right now as well. Like it's coronavirus. We have all of these hotels that can't be used. There is one single situation where like hotels are now being opened up uh, to try to comfortably uh, hold migrant children while they are seen by caseworkers and stuff like that. Um, but it's an ice controlled facility and it got like a, an $86 million or billion dollar contract to do it. Like, where is this one? 
Yeah, $86 million to ICE in a contract in order to secure hotel rooms uh, for families and whatnot, um, which is a good thing. Like they should have access to a hotel room while they're doing all of this because it's better than sleeping on the freaking concrete floor with a Mylar blanket in no, a plastic bubble. But it's ICE. Like, and it, it's I ICE. Saw it, I saw this liberal sarcastically make the argument the other day, whenever these, or earlier today, actually, whenever these pictures leaked out from inside of the, the camp in, in Donna, Texas. Yeah. They were like, what are we supposed to do? Put all these kids up in a holiday inn? And like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Who's I, using not? it? You know, Who's yeah, using them? Yeah, exactly. Like, what you mean to tell me that, that it's, they're getting beaten down right now with the reservations? Yeah. You want to spend money? Like, you're spending. You're spending money on these camps. Just spend the money on a freaking hotel room. Pay the hotel industry that really needs it. Don't pay ICE. Like, yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So I guess we will like, we keep like mentioning them, but just like we can talk about these pictures that came out today. Like, so during the Trump administration, there were pictures every week, every single week, there was pictures of what was going on in the the camps that Trump set up. And there were, and, and a lot of times those pictures that came out from those camps, we're from 2014 to 2015 during the Obama administration. It's true. A lot of that stuff. And then there were the few that were taken from a journalist who finally got in, but it was like yeah. a long process to get journalists in. And it happened now. It was a incredibly difficult for journalists and lawyers to get into these camps. And finally, a Texas senator like managed to make his way in or a Texas representative or something. He got in and he took all these pictures. And at first, I didn't believe it because the first times that I saw it shared were, again, because of Lauren Bobber and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And it was... Uh, retweeting James O'Keefe from Project Veritas and it was retweeting retweeting Ian Miles Chong. Um, and I don't know if you know who either of them are, but James O'Keefe is a grifter and his what he says is not true. Um, he's notorious for trying to set up people for gotcha interviews that make them look really shitty and everybody is always like, oh, you're James O'Keefe. Like, clearly this is fake. I know what you're doing. And then yeah. Ian Miles Chong is like a fascist sympathizer who doesn't even live in the United States but loves to talk about United States politics all the time. Um, there's a big market for that. There's a huge market for it. Um, but so I didn't believe it when I first saw these pictures being shared, I was like, there's no way this is fake project Veritas. And like probably James O'Keefe probably just took pictures from Donald Trump, recycled them like, and he's paying people to be witnesses now to speak for this stuff. Cause he was paying people to speak about voter fraud. And they were like, Oh yeah, dude paid us $25,000 to say that there was voter fraud. Um, but I, I didn't believe it. And then it got released by Axios and it got released by even more sources. Um, and now it has come out like certainly that in Joe Biden's concentration camps, kids are still sleeping on floors with mylar blankets and no pillows. And they're in these like plastic Not access to showers, you know what I mean? No That's showers, not... no soap, no toothpaste, yeah. no toothbrushes. It's the not, same no, no, stuff. No access to outside. You know what I mean? I saw this one kid who was uh, reported that, or this one report of this child who they interviewed him, they, they asked him about how things were and how he was acclimating. And he said, the only time I can ever see the sunlight is whenever I can look through the window in the showers. Yeah. And then they were like, well, how often do you shower? And he like once every, he's like, it's been like 10 days. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's that's gross, man. That, that's, that's, you're keeping people in literal destitution. Yeah. And it's like, how is this better than, you know, like they think they come here on the myth of American exceptionalism that, that we're this, you know, beacon of hope. And mm -hmm. then they get here and then we put them in, in, in these concentration camps and, 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 and keep them and let them live in their own squalor. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's inhumane. It's horrible. And again, it's no better. It's no different and it's no better. 
But if these pictures didn't come out, everybody would have assumed that Joe Biden was just the king, just doing the best that he could do because he's a grandfather. Like he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He does my such problem, good things. My problem is though, is that I don't see the pictures having much of an effect on the people that it needs to. Like the the Democratic base, the liberals are are doing everything they possibly can to like downplay this and justify it to like yeah. as if it was to be expected. You know, like again about this that's to be expected. Because the fact that it's the exact same thing, it's really easy for them to say, well, of course it's the same thing. This is what we inherited. It's going right back to that same old argument. Like, or, or even I'm even seeing people say, like, uh, like, what are we supposed to do? These kids are coming. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. even some like there. There is the argument that like, oh, it's still the first sixty days, and he was given a raw deal. Mm-hmm. But there's also like, there's people who are are like demonizing these children that are coming over and saying like, <sighs> you know, like, what are we supposed to do with these kids? They're not even like. The arguments yeah. that you would expect the right to make mm-hmm. are being are now being made by the MSNBC, like back to brunch liberals. Yeah, and I think that that that's another thing that I want to talk about. I feel like it plays into uh, the the political landscape right now is so tribalized that yeah. if you're if you're blue team, you're blue team, and if you're red team, you're red team. Yeah, and you will do whatever it takes to defend the blue team and attack the red team, even if it makes you look like such a hypocrite. Yeah. No, yeah, it's 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 absolutely insane. Like Joe Biden, like he campaigned on like the the build back better, build better back, whatever you want to call it. And he was also like, I'm Mr. Bipartisan. We're gonna reach across the aisle, we're gonna work with Republican colleagues. Partisanship is higher than it's ever been. The COVID relief bill, a wildly popular bill, zero Republican senators voted for it. Like there is no such thing as bipartisanship anymore. There just yeah. isn't. And, and so, I, like, I understand, like the the way that the Republicans are behaving, and a lot of the Republican base is absolutely deplorable. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, absolutely, absolutely. Like, like the Marjorie Taylor Greene wing of the Republican Party, and the people that are 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 pouring into her fundraising campaigns. Like, it's easy to demonize that and say this is what we're up against. But at the same time, you can't just blindly support the other side just because they're not that. Like, yeah. the Democratic Party has moved so far to the right. That we have like fascist Republicans and then we have centrist Republicans. And if you try to push anybody from the left of that, you are like the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten into like arguments with people who are saying like, you're helping the Republicans. You know what I mean? Let Biden do his thing. And it's like, no, man, no. Like, I, that's not that's not the way this should work. Yeah. We need to hold we need to hold our leaders accountable. Not because not, again, look, not sitting for your team. Look what happens when you do that. This is what happens when you just sit here and you just like let 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 blue do whatever they want to do. Vote blue no matter who. Well, look what that did. Look what Vote blue, blue did. No matter who is the most toxic thing in the history of the of, of democratic politics. Because look at this. Look at where we are. It's the it, I, I keep repeating myself because it's just I cannot get over the fact that like we still have kids sleeping underneath mylar blankets. We're still bombing Syria. I mean, I know we're getting a little bit off topic here, but we we could do a whole a whole episode of the pod where we're talking about like the things that are still going on across across the board you know what i mean yeah whether it be biden means testing the stimulus the stimulus package that like <laughs> 17 million less americans get at this time yeah there, well, so the, just, sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna say like it's yeah it's 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 this idea of like vote blue no matter who and like you're gonna like create a better america this way and like all that sort of crap um and also like the idea of like the american exceptionalism that we're gonna try to get back to Honestly, the the thing that also like really disgusted me about what's going on with the current like immigration system is 
the proposals that Democratic representatives and senators are releasing right now in order to like address immigration, it's not like let's figure out what's going on at the border and let's like be humans, let's help people. Uh, have you heard anything about the American Dream and Promise Act or the Farm Workforce Modernization Act? Mm-hmm. So like the American Dream and Promise Act uh, for the listeners, for all the beans out there, <laughs> uh, it's it's the idea that like if you're like a dreamer, a dreamer was like a child who came here under Obama um, and you were given like this like dreamer status so that you could like work towards citizenship that way. Um, so you were like given your amnesty and allowed in so you could then work towards citizenship. You can like for dreamers under this new act which got passed in 2019 and then Mitch McConnell never brought it to the table in the Senate because of course, fuck Mitch McConnell. Um, but it's the idea, like the, the way that they go about it is that you can gain permanent resident status by either acquiring a degree from a university or college, completing at least two years of military service or being employed for at least three years where you were allowed to be employed by the state because you were considered legal enough to do that for 75% of the time that you were employed. So it's this idea that like the only way to come into America, and this is like where I think, again, like the Democrats are really just held into this idea of this American dream capitalism, like they're no better than anybody else, is that under this one act, and there's still another one, but under this one, the only way that you get to become a legal resident in America is to either uh, get a degree, join our military, or contribute to the workforce in a meaningful way. Despite the fact that most of these kids in the Dreamer program have grown into adults, you know what I mean? They are, they are full-grown adults who have, who have all, all they know is America. You know what I mean? If they were to get sent yeah. back to their home countries, they wouldn't know anybody. They wouldn't, like, their life is here. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy that, the, that their contingency upon saying is that they need to enroll in the military or, you know what I mean? Like, be a good American. Yeah. And it's That's just, what it takes. You have to be, like, a good, like, bullshit American. All these people to have the right to be here. And it's not even just means testing them. It's like it's it's 40s American and testing them. Yeah. Like, are you gonna be the quintessential, like perfect American? The 1950s, like cookie cutter American and with the picket fence and the dog. Exactly. Get a job, no get a degree, or join the military. Those are the things that you have to do to become an American citizen here, not show up and say, I'd really love to live in this country. I think or, that there's or, opportunities here. Can I? Or, Can I live here? Yeah. Or America bombed my village and now I don't have anywhere to go. Can I please stay here for a little bit? You know, can I, I mean? please? Like can I please crash on your couch, man? Like, yeah. And they're like, "Well, are you going to join the military?" And it's like, "Well, no, because that's why I'm here in the first place." Yeah. Or like, "Oh, are you going to get a degree?" Well, I'm. I'm sorry. Like, I don't. I've lived in another country my whole life. I don't speak English. Like, let me go ahead and figure out how to learn English in a system that isn't going to teach me how to speak it. And find a place to live. You know what I mean? It's not like they they hook everybody that comes in here up with like an apartment and shit. Like, yeah. You got to fend for yourself. It's like yeah. everybody else in this fucking country. And then the other one that they have, and this one is like the one that like everybody always says like, oh, they're working. They're taking all our jobs. They're working in the fields. Like blah, 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 blah. It's that idea, which also like real quick sidebar. I hate the argument people make where they say, well, let immigrants live here. It's, they're doing the jobs. It's not like you want to do the jobs that they're doing. That doesn't. That's not the only reason that you should let in, uh, like an immigrant move here and live here. It's, the, but that is the only reason that some people will listen to because it's, it's so ingrained in American culture that you gotta like. It's just so gross to me that like yeah. the idea is the only way that you're gonna like be able to justify another person moving to this country 
is, well, I don't want to scoop shit for a living. So at least they'll do that. Like, (laughs) I I don't want to be a garbage man. I don't want to work in a field as a farmer. Like, so we'll just have them do that. And then it's okay if they live here. Only if they do the deplorable thing that no one else wants to do, will I let them be here. Yeah. And it's this idea that like the, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, it is like being applauded as like a good thing. And I will accept that. Like a lot of labor unions are supporting it. Um, and like the, the I forget what the term is, but it's like the farm workers union, essentially. They're okay with it. And it's just this idea that it would create temporary status uh, for certified agricultural workers who worked at least 180 days in agriculture over the last two years. And then like spouses and children can apply for temporary status. But you have to pay a $1,000 fine to get your green card. And you have to engage in additional agricultural work, depending on how long you've done it for once you get the green card. So you're saying like, pay me to work here to maybe let you stay here. It's it, there's no there's no humane solution in place that doesn't involve money and doesn't involve proving your worth as an American. No, agreed. Which it's, yeah, it's disgusting. It's that sort of stuff. Like when you live in a system that has always prioritized profit over people, that's going to, that's going to be the incentive that that people listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's very frustrating because uh, there's some, like, I mean, obviously this has been going on for a long time, but there are some, some of us who've seen this coming, who knew that this was what was going to happen. Yeah. In the lead up to November, you know what I mean? And, And even back further than that, there's a lot of us who, who knew, exactly what joe biden was and exactly what he was going to do and we were told to shut up and we were told that if we don't vote for biden we're voting for trump yeah and i don't know now now here we are and i'm not seeing much of a difference doesn't it doesn't feel very different to me no it's not it's again it's just is it scaled down probably but like one we don't know that and two Scaled down doesn't mean gone. Yeah, and how much is it scaled down? Because we're 60 days in and you already bombed Syria. Yeah. And then you have, like, people who are like, well, what's your solution? Again, like, you keep saying, like, what's your solution? And, like, even AOC, like, the the progressive icon, AOC went up and she was like, obviously, like, man, I don't know. But, like, this isn't it. But because there is no clear solution, everybody's just going to be like, well, let's just keep doing this then. Yeah. Because there's not like an obvious answer, and because our progress, our progressive leaders like AOC aren't saddling up for a fight. They don't. There's no fight in the progressive caucus right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of that does come down to like just the politics of it. Like it's so hard. Like you look at it, like it's so hard to mount a fight. Because like but when you look at it, like who? If, if they went in with the mindset of we're gonna catch hell, no matter what, like they keep thinking that if they play the game eventually they're going to they're going to get thrown a bone or something but they never do they're going to get shit on by the media by Nancy Pelosi they're gonna, at every turn they're going to get shit on so you might as well fight you might as well fight it out because they're I'm telling you right now as someone who's pretty plugged in with like the left yeah people like AOC and and the squad even are start are starting to lose the people's faith kind of yeah i mean and that all comes down to like just like the idea of like electoralism like there like there's only so much you can do uh, in the electorate, like everybody, the idea is like, everybody should like, Oh, you want to make a change run for office? Well, like you do. And then what do you do? What's next? 
Well, then you do. Then you do what AOC started to do when she, when she first got elected. Like the her first act was a sit in at Nancy Pelosi's office. You know what I mean? Yeah. Green New Deal. Like that. That's what you got to do. And then she you got she got beat up and she walked away with her tail between her legs. And that's again exactly. like not to and say then, that like I would do any better, but like I and I'm not trying to 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 pile on AOC because I I respect her a lot. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, she is literally like her and the squad. Well, like everything well, they're doing, like Bernie is, Sanders, they're the best yeah. thing that we have right now. But rhetoric is just rhetoric, and at the end of the day, we need to see no votes. We need. To, I was hoping that, like, I was I was hoping that some of these bills that get passed that are that incremental changes get shot down. Like this yeah. is definitely off topic from from the border crisis, but that stimulus deal. I, I was hoping that if the fifteen dollar minimum wage wasn't in there, you would have gotten some of these progressives to say, "I'm not voting for it." Pull a Joe Manchin. Yeah. Do what, do what the centrists aren't scared to do all the time. Yeah. Threaten to vote no. Say I'm not. I'm not voting for this until you put the fifteen dollars minimum wage in. That's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. But it's because again, like the idea is, like, and it, and it even again, like we keep think, thinking that we're getting off topic from immigration, but we're really not because, like, if you look at like what Joe Manchin gets to do, he's already the bad guy, mm. so he can be the bad guy. So like, if he refuses, it's really easy for like people to just ignore it because like, well, it's Joe Manchin. So like, yeah, yeah of course he's going to do that. So if he votes for something, it's huge applause for him. But somebody and, like and he takes he also takes all of the 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 heat for the rest of the Democratic Party. Like my thing is, my thing is that like this is conspiracy Andrew talking. It wouldn't surprise me if him and Joe Biden were in cahoots and Joe Biden was like, we need to get that fifteen dollars shit out of there, Joe. Well, Joe Biden went like he went on record and told governors like, no, there's no way the fifteen dollar minimum wage is going to be in the relief bill. Yeah. Way in the past, like back when like the whole idea was that like they were going to talk about the $15 minimum wage. He straight up was like, yeah, we want a minimum wage increase on TV. And then he goes behind the scenes to the governors and he's like, no, there's no way. There's no way that you're going to get a minimum wage increase in there. And he told everybody, like, don't worry about it. Like, it's going to be fine. But that's and like the thing. And then it's easy. It's easy, though, for the Democratic establishment to be like, oh, well, see, we really wanted to, but we can't because of Joe Manchin. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. And then Joe Manchin takes the fall for it every time, even though it's it really he's representing more of the Democratic Party than just that's always what it is. That's why there's only one of them. They knew once they had a 50 a 50 50 split, they only needed one person to be their scapegoat. Yeah. And now next year, when a progressive beats Joe Manchin for his reelection, not next year, but next election, when a progressive beats him or something like they're just going to get a new scapegoat. There's always going to be somebody else because it's never going to they're never going to have this like resounding majority. They're because never going to vote so for filibuster either. You know no, I mean? never. That's never. never. So as long as this goes on, like they're going to always continue to like pretend uh, that there's some reason why they can't do this big change. And that's and again, like it's everything that's going on with immigration. Like it, they can't just say something along the lines of like, yeah, like let's just figure this out. Let's have a system in place. Let's hire not ICE, not Border Patrol, but let's have caseworkers for these kids. Yeah. Like. Good luck, good luck getting Manchin to sign on for that. You know, exactly. I mean? That's exactly what it is. But then and you put a, these. There's a lot of things that Joe Biden could do via executive order to alleviate this, but I don't see him doing that either. So no, because the Senate's this... not going to do it, and Joe Biden and the executive branch aren't going to do it. Then we're yeah. then we're looking at people like us doing having conversations like this, and then ending up frustrated at the end of them, and then yeah. never anything getting resolved. Well, because it's so easy. Like there's this like like Democrats are cowards. So like anytime it comes to them like stretching their like like flexing their muscles and asserting any sort of power, they're like, well, if we do this, then like just think about what happens if Republicans take control. 
they're like, well, these executive orders, if Joe Biden does too many of them, think about what the next president's like Tucker Carlson could put so many executive orders through. That's like, bullshit because Trump put it through as many executive orders as he wanted. You're not is the precedent for executive orders doesn't mean anything. It goes back to on like the last episode we talk about like the minimum wage hike and how the parliamentarian was like, you can't do that. And Democrats were just like, oh, you're right. We can't. Whereas in 2003, the parliamentarian was like, hey, you can't do tax cuts. And they said, oh, we'll get get out, like get the fuck yeah, out of here. You're fired. Here. Like, we'll find somebody that will do it. Yeah, know? we don't need you here, buddy. Like <laughs> you thought we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, no. Yeah, they're like, we're going to do it anyway. And then Repo- Democrats get the chance and they're like, well, we don't want to do that. That's mean. Like yeah. it they, goes against the, the, the norms that have been established. Yeah. Or whatever. So and they bring us right back so to the norms. The norms. It, it, yeah. And they bring us right back to the norms of freaking Mylar blankets on concrete floors, man. I can't get over that. If I hear the term, we got to go back to the norms or like Trump destroyed the norms one more time. I'm going to freaking have a mental breakdown. Back to brunch, man. That's, and that's honestly one of the biggest problems in this particular situation for me is so many people checked out after the election. Like once uh, Biden was inaugurated, people literally just said, all right, I'm taking I'm take put turning my brain off in terms of politics. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, try yeah. To, you know, literally go back to brunch. It was really easy to just tap out at that point. And I don't blame people. Like, I think I've said this before, like everybody, everybody deserved when Donald Trump lost and Joe Biden won to breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Everybody deserved to take a break. When you looked even at like, like even, even I took a, a big sigh of relief and I didn't even vote for Joe Biden. Me too. Like yeah. you had, I mean, like I voted for Joe Biden again, because like I, again, like you and I, we've talked about this, like, I did not want a fascist in office. Uh, and I knew for sure that Joe Biden was going to be absolute trash. I just hoped for not a fascist. Um, and I don't regret my decision because I do think as well, like at the same time that like people like us are going to have to be here to continue to bring awareness to this because everybody deserves to take a sigh of relief after everything that they went through in 2020. Uh, for the entire year, it was just a shit show for everyone. Coronavirus. Uh, social injustice, protests, Black Lives Matter, like all of that sort of stuff, like police. Yeah, yeah, everything that was going on, like everything, just just this absolutely ridiculous year. Everyone deserved to take a sigh of relief. But I'm sorry, it's been 60 days. Time's up. You got to get back into it. Like, and that's what like the whole purpose of doing this podcast like at this time was, is because like, I think everybody, it's really easy for people to say, uh, that Joe Biden's in office and everything's going to get better. And I, I want to continue to bring awareness. And I know that's exactly how you feel like that. It's not better. And I think it the immigration it crisis, get, it won't, it won't get better as long as people continue to have their head buried in the sand. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's I think perfect. that this highlights it perfectly. Yeah. That's the most frustrating aspect. I know we talked about this loosely already before, but the most frustrating aspect of this to me is just that like, the, the the people who tuned out after he won and stayed tuned out, it's so easy for them to go on Instagram and see like an infographic about all the things that Biden's done and then share it and then go back to whatever the fuck they were doing and never hear anything to the contrary. Yeah. Like, like liberals to me are some of the lowest information people in the world. You know what I mean? They, they literally just, well, you can spoon feed them cherry picked information and they'll be like, yeah, okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. And it, 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 and it's such a, like a tough position to be in because like, obviously uh, you need them. You need them to not have fascism, but (laughs) it's the laziest, like, like 
the liberals and like like the blue check liberals. Like when I say liberals, I don't mean like mom and dad who voted for Joe Biden. It's like the checkmark liberals, the verified, like the people who like are on MSNBC, like CNN, the people who are actually like up there as mouthpieces for the liberal movement. Like for me, that's what I'm talking about. And like I said, like blue check marks on Twitter, like the kind who will like spout some sarcastic comment in response to like an actual attack you make on Joe Biden. But like you need them to not have like, again, fascism, but it's the laziest response to fascism. I would be, I would be remiss though, if I didn't, if my, like my leftist friends would never, uh, if they heard me let this go on and not say that we're, this is still fascism. Biden, Biden is a fascist. He might not be up in your face about it, but like this, this is the American system that we, that we live underneath has been fascist for a very long time. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll say that in regard to like the idea of like, it's, it's a, corporate fascism it's obviously not like it's not like i don't think it's like a race realist and like that sort of thing it's not like a you know it's, it's not, not like Mussolini. A, yeah it's definitely yeah. not Mussolini. but at the same time at the same time if you really if you go down the line and look at things that are different from when trump was there all you have is that he's not saying the sh- he's, he's not saying the quiet part out loud you know what i mean yeah yeah it's, or, biden's not hopping on twitter and saying no transgender people in the military you know what i mean yeah but at the end of the day, he's still he's still bombing Syria. Like that that happened literally two weeks ago. He bombed Syria. Yeah. It, no, it's it, 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 he was retaliating against Iran by bombing Syria <laughs> and killed twenty two Syrians, zero Iranian militants, like they claim. Yeah, horrendous, horrendous. And they lie about it and they say, oh, well, it was a successful strike. And then the next week they wheel out this bullshit statistic that like, oh well, Biden was going to airstrike another place, but then he decided that. He made the choice not to. He backed down. Yeah, because it was for children. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. bro, shut up. That's fascism to me. Like, that is. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong in the sense that, like, it's this, like, it's this corporate, like. I wouldn't. It's not even so much. Like, it, obviously, we live underneath of like corporatism that is crushing us economically. Yeah. But even even in terms of just like like day to day functioning outside of like corporate America, like. We're keeping kids in cages, dog. That's you know what I mean. Like that's like if you were to go through all the check marks of fascism, maybe maybe we're like down the four out of the five now. And like I guess that's cool. It's not yeah, no cool fascism, but no, I absolutely don't think you're wrong. I, I don't think you're wrong in any way. Um, that's definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Wrong. No, no, I don't. I don't really have much to say in response to that because you're not wrong. Like I said, like I want to like, and this is like me again, like holding on to like the hope that like, like I said, like you know. Uh, there's potential for things to get better, uh, but it's not going to right now. And again, like just this, this is all evidenced by what we have going on right now. I also really worry about what 2022 is going to look like. Yeah. When you get to that, when you get to the 2022, the midterms, the elections, all that sort of crap, finding out who's going to be the Republican nominee for president. Like, I don't know, man, it's going to be shitty. It's going to be real shitty this episode like started as like an immigration thing, but I think it's really good that it was like the immigration crisis and Democrats. Yeah. Like going back to normal on that idea, because I think that like the idea of pushing back on like pushing back on the democratic concept of like the liberal concept of like going back to normal and building back better immigration and the crisis that we're facing, the humanitarian crisis we're facing is the perfect example of the shitty job that Democrats are always going to do and the shitty job that Joe Biden is doing. Like the COVID relief bill, that was the target of my last episode. And I ripped into that. 
Um, but this even more so because this is just grotesque. So, I mean, I don't know, man, we talked about this for like a really long time and I'm really happy with where we talked about everything. Um, I know we talked about this being like an issue, like an episode all about the immigration crisis, but I really like that we were able to pivot into talking about just like the failings of the Biden presidency and Democrats in general, where it started under Obama and came up until it is today. Um, and I think I I said this last week, but like, I think it's just, I'm going to continue to just hammer this home. And this is kind of like the thing that I try to focus on every single week. Cause it's so easy, especially after we just ranted and complained for, I don't know, an hour and a half, almost two hours. Like it's so easy to get caught up in just being angry about this stuff or just wanting to turn a blind eye to it because it's exhausting and it's shitty. And like, no one likes to fucking hear about it. It's so easy to just get caught up in that cycle. Um, but the reason I do this, the reason you're here with me today, the reason that we're doing this together and like thinking about this stuff, the reason I got Karen involved in it, even though she does not really want to hear me talk about this stuff and listen yeah, to my talk. Job, I will say Karen did a hell of a job. Oh, thank you. She will greatly appreciate that. Um, but yeah, like the reason that we do this is because if there is no pushback, like we said before, there's no mouthpiece that's like really, really established because there's never going to be a mainstream mouthpiece that pushes against the the typical Democrats. There's never going to be a real opposition to Joe Biden on like a national individual level. Like there's never going to be an Anderson Cooper who goes up and says Democrats are doing something bad. Um, and the, the only one that is, is Tucker Carlson. And obviously 50% of the country doesn't take him seriously because the dude is actually just a fucking nationalist. Yeah. 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 Um, but like the thing about like the left and like the movement that like y- you and I are trying to construct construct. And again, you even more so than me, cause I know you're really plugged in with this sort of stuff. Um, it's just like the idea that like, there is an, an apparatus already in place on in like, left independent media that is that is growing the, the more that the mainstream media falls off the more the more viewership that uh independent media is getting and that's that's definitely yeah. everything to hang your hat on and that's a and that's a really really good thing to to be to be able to focus on um and that's i mean that's why we're trying to do this so that even if like you know i'm not going to get up here and i'm not going to become the next fucking don lemon but like <laughs> i can like the idea like getting this media to go around getting this like exposure to even just the six beans who decide to listen to this thing, like to get everybody like to just be a little bit more aware and to want to push back on these things, even if it's uncomfortable, if it's uncomfortable to voice that you don't like Joe Biden because everybody is supposed to like Joe Biden. And and to get a different perspective to push through the narratives that are, are being so hard to be. Exactly. Pushed out, you know what I mean? Exactly. So just like this focus on like constantly just trying to really just hammer home that like nothing, nothing is perfect and it's not going to be perfect, but there's just a lot of work that has to be done. Um, and it's just really important to always be aware of it and just keep your ears to the ground and keep your head up and like, keep listening to what is happening around you, paying attention and trying to just formulate some sort of like a discussion about it. Um, and I think that's like the most important thing that I can come away with every single week when I do this. And when I try to come up with these episodes and like, when I work with somebody else, um, with a collaborator, like, it's just that idea, like, just to be able to have these conversations and really just be able to push this stuff out there. Um, and just, I don't know, attack the system, the normal way, the, attack right. the normal way of doing things because normal is bad. Normal is putting kids in cages. Like, well, I, uh, I gotta say it's been a pleasure to be on this week. Of um, course, man. Pleasure, pleasure having you. I'm sure I'm going to hear a bunch more of you and everybody else will too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I will say you're right. Nothing is perfect right now. 
But uh, that's until Bernie 2024 comes around, and here we can ride My this God, I, but when I don't Bernie know, re- man. When Bernie returns from exile in 2024 with a beard and a scar on his eye. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, don't forget, abolish ice. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Till next time, buddy.